Welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, the founder of Miles to Memories and MTM Vegas, joined by our managing editor, Mark Osterman. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm doing good. Uh, ready to talk some Vegas, some gambling. You know, you've been in Detroit the last few days, so we get to talk about the Detroit casino, some of my favorites. So looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's been a lot of fun getting to hang out and getting to, to see your cottage up at the lake. And we toured the, the casinos in Detroit. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And it's been great to get this podcast launched. I know a lot of people have uh, really enjoyed it. We've been getting a lot of good reviews on Apple Podcasts. And uh, just as a reminder to people, you can find all of the links for this show at milestonememories.com forward slash Vegas dash podcast, or just go to mtmvegas.com. We have links to all of our Vegas content, our YouTube videos, everything else. And you can find this podcast in any podcast app, subscribe. And if you're on Apple, we love the reviews and we've had uh, quite a few. And thank you so much to everybody who has given us feedback, both on Apple and everywhere else. And it's been great to get this show off the ground in the right way and tell a friend. Hopefully more people will continue to listen. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it was uh, good to get the kids together for, you know, they've talked over Facebook Messenger and video chatted uh, throughout the years, but they've never actually hung out and met in person. So they were like fast friends right away, which was pretty cool and got to play, got to swim together, hung out all day yesterday. So that was probably the coolest thing. I was I was really looking forward to that and it went better than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, it's great to see the girls uh, getting along and of course, Connor too, all three of the kids getting along really well. And it's been fun. Ellie doesn't want to leave like she last night when she didn't want to leave your house so she just wanted to uh, keep playing and that's always a good sign uh, a sign of a good play date is uh, when the kids uh, love each other and it's been like you said great to see them getting along uh, i can't believe it took us four years for them to meet but that's uh, finally finally happened and good to see it and let's uh let's move on to vegas because last week we talked a lot about resorts world and we've had videos about resorts world we've talked on our mtm vegas news show by the way, if you haven't heard of that, we have, we do a weekly news show on our YouTube channel, mtmvegas.com. You can find that or just go to youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. That's our YouTube channel. Lots of great content there. But we had a lot of people kind of reach out to us about the Resorts World information. We talked about staffers, people quitting, things like that. Tips not being as much as people had anticipated. And we got some kind of corrections and some more inside information, right? Yeah, we had a couple of dealers reach out, some in the comments, and then one actually emailed me and showed me some proof of what the pay is looking like these days and stuff. So apparently the tweet that we shared with the picture of what the tip out was going to be is actually, in fact, accurate, and it was posted, but they had done the calculations improperly, so they had done it for like double the amount of time it should have been because it was like the opening week or something. I don't know. So the numbers weren't accurate, but that was what was posted, and that's what the dealers thought. So some of the dealers ended up quitting, and this was mostly people that they were working at Resorts World as like their second job. You know, they already work at another casino making decent money as a dealer, but they wanted to pick up extra hours somewhere else. So they started uh, at Resorts World thinking they're going to make two, three, four hundred dollars with a new brand new casino opening and then see that sheet where it says it's like low hundred dollars. So they quit and then come to find out the correction came a couple days later after they quit, but they weren't allowed to come back or didn't want to come back. I don't know how that works out, but they've already like backfilled those positions we're told and stuff. And they all say that they're making pretty good money, especially for an opening. Uh, you know, a couple mentioned that they opened Cosmo and they weren't making all that, that good of money in the beginning. And it takes a while and just people don't want to wait, you know, and, and let things figure itself out and kind of build up momentum. So it was interesting and a good, uh, appreciate the, the dealers that reached out and let us know for sure. 
Yeah, we had another dealer who has spent 10 years at Cosmo, said that management and ownership actually cares about the individuals, had a lot of good things to say about the company, and said that they're averaging about $300 a day in tips as well. So, uh, But he likes the culture. So there's definitely happy employees, and we wanted to convey that to people. Also, the same person reached out and said, regarding cocktail service with my story about the, the not wanting to give me the Diet Coke or my wife the Diet Coke, uh, he said that there's a lot of sort of rude cocktail waitresses that work there. And he says that as a dealer, having kind of frontline contact with them, that service isn't a priority with the cocktail servers at Resorts World. His words, not mine. Or he says, from my position, I've seen many waitresses that are not very service oriented. That's what he said. So I guess they have work to do, but I'm glad to hear that there's happy employees there and that they seem to be, at least according to these people, treating them well and that the tips are better than expected and that it's a good job for everybody. So it's good news, or at least good news for these people, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of it's crazy to hear about cocktail wait- waitresses being rude because usually they're the nicest employees because they're trying to make all that the money off of tips and they're delivering free drinks. So the only way they're getting tips is if the service is great because people aren't paying, so they're not going to feel obligated to tip all the time. Which you definitely should tip your cocktail waitress. And what I always do is the very first drink I give, a, you know, kind of an over the top tip so that the service comes back pretty often. So that's kind of a, you know, people have done that in Vegas for forever, but always tip really good the first time and then just keep giving them a, you know, your normal tip after that. And they'll, they'll if you get a good one, they'll make sure your drink's never empty. Like don't even ask you, just start bringing the next one out, which is always cool. But it was interesting to hear, you know, I reached out back to him and I said, what's the, what casinos are, are the best to work at for dealers as far as tips and earnings and that stuff. And he said, Cosmo, from what he's heard is, the best, you know, like $400 a day or so in tips, which compared to some other ones is could be double what some dealers are making. So that seems like that's a place people want to get in. And it is a lot of people's favorite casino in Vegas, favorite hotel. So that's interesting. But, you know, we had another dealer say they opened Cosmo and they were only making $200 a day in the beginning. So it takes time to build it up. And I think you see that with the resorts where a lot of people are coming through the place, but they're not sitting there and gambling and, you know, you're not getting the big table players there yet. I don't feel like I think it's just a lot of people walking through and, you know, checking things out, but not a ton of gambling. Like when I was there, the casino was packed, but there was still a lot of room at the tables, which I found surprising. But that's kind of what you're seeing everywhere in Vegas right now. It's funny because we walked through the Detroit casinos and you did point out how few table games they have there how they're mostly slot casinos. And it's interesting kind of contrast Resorts World in Vegas where they open with a huge amount of table games. And like to your point, they're not all full, but uh, certainly uh, that's more of a focus there. And it seems like they're, they're focusing on the experience. Yeah, that Cosmo dealer did say it started at $150 a day and you know people just have to have patience over time. It gets better. Said that the Cosmo was about $90,000 a year job for dealers. So Pretty good job if you can get it. I, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who'd be interested in, in dealing if uh, the current people aren't happy at any of these places. I put my application in. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, I was really kind of happy to hear people reach out, and I hope more people reach out to us and give us more inside information that we can share, whether you want to go on the record and want us to quote you or you want to do it anonymously. Uh, you can definitely uh, reach out to us at Sean or Mark at milestomemories.com and let us know what's going on. Give us more insight on any of the stories we cover or the things we talk about because basically we're trying to do this to provide cool, relevant information for people and having that inside information is is really helpful and it's awesome. And so thank you to everybody who reaches out and hopefully more in the future as the show grows and, and everything else. 
Anything else to add about Resorts World and our updates on, on everything that's going on there? I wanted to just mention, I, I reached out um, when we were going back and forth on email and I asked, you know, what are some of the better hotel casinos to work at for dealers, you know, as far as tip outs and making good, uh, good money. And Cosmo was the top. Uh, he said, Wynn, from what he's heard, you know, a lot of this is secondhand info because he hasn't worked at all the places, but Wynn is, you know, right near Cosmo, right up there, which isn't surprising. And then like kind of the next tier, but still really good jobs is Caesars, MGM Grand, Bellagio and Aria and I was a little bit surprised by MGM because you know it's a little bit older casino back in the day it was one of the top spots they still do have like sky suites which are a little aged and they have the mansion and all that so I think they still get their fair share of whales and we were talking about this the other uh yesterday and you said you wonder if it's because the overseas players are coming in because they're uh gambling at an MGM branded property like an actual MGM not just owned by MGM so when they come to Vegas, they probably want to stay at the same thing, you know, just for familiarity's sake. So I wonder if that's what drives it up. I was just, that was the one that kind of stood out to me. It's interesting because MGM Grand is the brand that they have in multiple locations. You have, you know, Macau, of course, in Vegas, Detroit, Massachusetts. I know there's more that I'm forgetting, but yeah, you have multiple locations. So I do wonder if people are drawn to that or just that sort of MGM lion sort of brand and it isn't you know MGM Grand is a nice place it has a very decent hotel like you say it has very nice uh, facilities for high rollers like the mansions and even some really nice suites and everything else so I could see why it would be popular but I feel like in the mainstream it's sort of fallen down over the years people don't see it with quite the prestige that it used to have as sort of the flagship property Bellagio really takes that cake with the MGM's portfolio so it's an aria then of course would probably fall in second, in my opinion. So it's interesting to see that. Glad to hear it. It's a big casino. MGM Grand uh, is huge. So I don't know why anybody loves it. It's too. It, it's just too big. Yeah. Same with Caesars. You know, like the design. We all we've talked about it on the MTM Vegas show. The design of the Caesars uh, Casino is like maybe the worst casino I've ever been in because they just kept doing additions. So it's like here's a circle, here's a circle, here's a circle. Let's just kind of somewhat connect them all. And you walk around and try to figure your way out. You know, I've stayed there three, four times and I get I get lost for the first day or so when I'm there. And and as far as for gambling, they have some nicer pits and everything, but I've, I've actually, I don't enjoy gambling there much because they seem more uptight, more strict, less fun. Um, I've been yelled at at Caesars for being too loud. And I'm like, dude, you know, we're in Vegas. What are you, what are you talking about? So I put Caesars kind of like lower end of the places I want to go gamble, but I know it is their flagship property in Vegas, so it doesn't surprise me that it's higher up for dealers. When you get lost, you get happy when you stumble upon Michelangelo's David and you see his his member up there, and you. Uh... No, we need an, we need an eighteen foot David, right? <laughs> yeah, just get him get him better. You should when they yell at you when you're when you're being loud in the casino. You should tell them, "I am Caesar. This is Caesar's Palace." Because Jay Sarno famously said that there's no apostrophe in Caesar's Palace because everybody when they're there is a Caesar. And I think Caesar is should should certainly be able to scream a little bit at the table games, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm gonna have to bring that up next time. I, my line whenever somebody says to calm down from a pit boss is always, "I thought we were in a casino. I didn't know this was a church." <laughs> and the one time in Canada, because they're really they're really uptight in Canada. The guy said, well, this isn't a bar. I'm like, well, you you, you fooled me because I see like four bars right from this sight line. I don't know what you're talking about. It is a bar, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we go back and forth sometimes. Most most pit bosses are pretty cool and kind of understand. And, and I've always said, you know, if somebody's excitable and having fun and, 
making noise, that makes everybody else want to be involved in it. And it kind of draws people in and gets people excited and it, it builds an energy. So to just stifle everybody and say, you, you know, you're having too much fun, that it, it's beyond stupid. So I know they deal with their fair share of annoying people, but as long as they're not being profane or anything like that, let it go. Yeah, I agree. And I've been in quite a few casinos with you and watched you play blackjack and you're not causing any problems at all. So it's just a matter of bringing fun and things like that. And I've talked to you about how like the Macau casinos and how many casinos are just very stoic places and very serious places. But that's not what Vegas is. And that's certainly not what a lot of these regional casinos are. I think that's a lot more fun having been to casinos where everybody's sitting there sort of like a zombie playing or uh, Watching you play blackjack, I'll take uh, watching you play blackjack any day. It's, it's a lot more fun, and uh, certainly there's pit bosses who could get more of a sense of humor there. Let's kind of pivot over to Detroit casinos a little bit and talk a little bit about those, because there's some interesting quirks here in these casinos that I, I found really cool and interesting. Of course, they're your hometown casinos, but one of them is a temporary COVID measure. There's no smoking allowed inside the casinos. Uh, that's, a I believe, an order from the governor, so they have these temporary smoking patios set up where all the degenerate smokers get to go outside and uh, puff together. And uh, that was something that was uh, quite interesting, probably something that'll go away pretty soon. But uh, that was uh, one of the things I was interested in seeing at MGM Grand. Got to see that. We got to see Greek Town. And you showed me Motor City from across the freeway. But what was interesting, tell the history about these places and how they kind of ended up being built in converted malls and other stuff. Yeah. So, you know, originally when they, uh, passed the law that they were allowing the casinos they kind of built in these you know they just kind of took whatever space they could get and modified it and turned it into a casino and it was supposed to be a temporary thing and then they wanted to build all three down on the riverfront so you could easily walk you know like a vegas where you could walk between them and go back and forth and chest them all out and then being on the riverfront's really cool so i love that idea I, you know that's what they should have done but it never came to happen i don't know if they just didn't want to spend the money where they couldn't find the land. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but of all the, the three, the only one that ended up building a property for them, specifically for them, was MGM. They were originally, I think they were in the old police station, like the old police headquarters, and the building felt really weird. It looked like a corporate building, you know, like you would think like a boxy police headquarters, kind of like when you go into Madison Square Garden, how it feels like you're in an office building until you get actually into the center of it. So it was kind of weird like that, and it, it never really worked, so... They actually built their own property, and that's by far the best setup, I think. It's, it's the most Vegas-like because it's a big circular uh, building, and then all the restaurants are on the outside of the casino, the big center bar in the center of the casino, and you can kind of cut across any way. You can't get lost. It's not Caesars, but it, it has the most Vegas feel, and I think that's because they actually built that building specifically for this property. Yeah, it's really nice. It does feel very much like a Vegas casino. Nothing that like stands out there as being unique to that property, I don't think. But as far as a casino, it's pretty nice. And it's a place uh, certainly uh, I would go if I was going to gamble. I, again, I only went to Greek Town in that one. Uh, the Motor City one looked kind of interesting. It was an old warehouse or something, you said, and they converted that to a casino. Um, the Greek Town Casino I found very, very, very charming. It's in this old red brick building that used to be a mall. And then there's all these little pockets of machines. We even found like a little casino in a corner with like, you know, barely any entrances in and out. So there's lots of quiet little pockets. So I guess depending on what kind of gambling experience you're looking for, that might be good. Uh, lots of good food and stuff around there as well. So 
All three of these casinos are what, like five or ten minutes apart? Uh, the Motor City and MGM Grand are sort of across the freeway from each other, and then Greektown a little bit more in the downtown area. Is that right? Yeah, they're on the outskirts. Like MGM is a little bit on the outskirts. You can park there and walk to the stadiums. That's usually where I park if I'm going to a game because it's like a six-block walk to uh, Comerica Park where the Tigers play baseball. And then Motor City is a little bit further out than that. So that's not really... You basically have to go to Motor City to go to Motor City. There's nothing else around it. And MGM Grand, there's nothing really built around it. I mean, you can go to Corktown which is an up-and-coming, a lot of bars and restaurants there. You can actually kind of walk there, but there's nothing in the immediate vicinity. And that's what's the best about Greektown. And the one I usually, when I used to go downtown quite a bit, I would go to Greektown the most often because it's right in the heart of downtown and it's in the Greektown district, which is a really cool district. If you're in Detroit ever, you know, hang out, spend some time hanging out in Greektown. They have Bars and restaurants like across the street, all around it, surrounding it, and you're you know a couple blocks away from the stadiums, a couple blocks away from the riverfront, so you have a lot of options from there. As well as what was cool when Greektown you know was first open and everything, they only had a couple restaurants, so they brought all these Greektown restaurants that had been there for years and years and were established, and they brought them into their rewards program that you could use your rewards dollars at the Greektown facilities, as well as at all these restaurants. You would just have to go to the reward center and get like a certificate printed off for $40 or $60, whatever you wanted to use, and you'd take that into the uh, restaurant and use it to pay. Um, the one key was you always wanted to do a little bit less than you expected to spend because if you uh, have more on your voucher than what you spend on dinner, you don't get that money back. So you, <laughs> you didn't want to overshoot. You will never want to do that. Now, we should talk about who owns the casinos. MGM Grand, obviously owned by MGM Resorts. Greektown is owned, interestingly, by Penn National Gaming and Vici Properties. Vici is the spinoff from Caesars Entertainment that owns a bunch of land of a bunch of properties all around the country now. And Penn National Gaming is the company that owns the casino management side. So Change Management recently, you said they've been doing a lot of renovations there. Uh, certainly an interesting place. But I got in a little bit of a fight with a security guard there. Uh, God bless her, but... Uh, it was uh, an interesting time, and I did enjoy the place. I thought it had a lot of charm and character. While I think MGM Grand is probably the most Vegas kind of nicest casino, I like kind of unique one-off casinos, and Greektown certainly has a lot of that going for it, so worth a visit when you're down there. I'm leaving Motor City for my next time in Detroit, so I'll see that uh, next time I come down here. But if anybody's thinking about coming to Detroit to gamble, it seems like a pretty interesting scene here. And once uh, Canada opens up, Caesars Windsor is just across the river as well. Yeah, and Caesars is a, a really nice property as well. That's where I was going. You know, I used to go downtown a lot, but then nothing was really connected besides MGM, but I wasn't an MGM fanboy at that time. So I would go to Greektown, but it wasn't really connected to Vegas. And I'm like, well, this is pretty stupid. I'm gambling and I'm not getting really anything. It was nice to get comps in Detroit. So I started going to Caesars Windsor a lot, which is a nice property, really. It's smoke-free, which was nice compared to the Detroit casinos, which... Right now they're smoke-free. You still can smell the uh, smoke from the previous days, like the old times. But yeah, they're really smoky. And you go over to Canada, there's no smoking inside, which was always nice. The hotel there is pretty nice. But downtown Windsor. Downtown Windsor used to be a really like, popular destination for 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, uh, because you can drink in Canada there. And you could easily cross the border. You didn't have to have a uh, passport. All you had to show was your birth certificate. And then when they instituted the passport law that you needed to cross the border, basically that whole scene kind of died. So downtown's somewhat coming back, but it's nothing like it was. It used to be packed bars, packed clubs, 
all that stuff and just everybody partying all weekend. And now you walk downtown and it's pretty desolate. So that takes away a little bit from it. But Caesars Windsor is also another property I really like. Um, but you will get yelled at there for being too loud because it is Canada. So <laughs> It's Caesars and it's Canada. So yeah, that's like a double, double, a double whammy, whammy uh, for you. <laughs> Uh, there. Speaking of Caesars, let's talk about the renovations that they announced because oh, we kind of talked about them throughout this show, so we might as well just go into it. They announced that they're doing a major facelift to the property or to the entrance and to the slot floor. They're building a new lobby bar, but they were very vague with what they're doing. I thought we'd talk about this just because a lot of people aren't probably aware that Caesars Entertainment is under new management. El Dorado Resorts closed on their purchase of Caesars last year during the pandemic. And if you've watched our MTM Vegas show on the YouTube channel, we've basically chronicled how they've cut and they've done everything they can to take away from the guest experience. I'm embellishing that a little bit, but they've cut booze, they've changed their policies. The Laurel lounges are probably not going to reopen. Certainly they're not reopened at this point, which they should be. Lots of stuff has happened. And on the flip side, they're announcing this huge renovation, but is it going to make a big difference? They're going to pop out the valet area and redo the main entry. The first kind of issue, Mark, and what we talked about on the video show, we didn't kind of go into this, is there's really two main entrances to Caesar's Palace. There's the pedestrian entrance, which goes through the area where Hell's Kitchen is and all of that, and goes right into the lobby. They're not changing any of that. There's the driveway entrance, which is in front of the fountains and everything else. That's what they're doing, and they're going to build a, a new facade, a new entry, put the big giant Caesar, in the middle and renovate the casino floor. They're going to move the valet so that if you're a hotel guest, you can't valet anywhere but in the back of the property. So it's kind of a negative in that way. But Caesar's Palace, it, I, I'm kind of underwhelmed. The more I've digested this, this is a few days old. We've seen this news. This is their flagship property and they think to fix it, let's just build a big Caesar and put a little bit extension of the building, making it with a taller ceiling and that's going to fix everything. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with Caesar's Palace, but I don't get spending millions of dollars for this. I don't think that this gives you uh, anything better. Yeah, I don't ever rent a car in Vegas. I'm not our friend, uh, PDX Deals guy, that no matter how long he's in Vegas, he basically rents a car. Uh, you know, I, I use Uber to get around or a taxi. So I've never ran into the issue with valet. I know some people commented on the article that they've had it where it takes 45 minutes to get into the valet the way it's currently set up. So maybe they've noticed that this is an issue and they're hoping breaking it up in two locations makes it better. You know, for lower tier players, it's going to be a problem because you're going to have to walk a lot further. And the whole thing of valet is to get as close to the casino and quickly in and out. So if you're basically in the self-parking area way in the back, why would you need valet? What good does it do? So I don't know how it will play out. It doesn't seem like it's a, a great solution uh, to the problem. It's It's basically just like, hey... You get a little bit of a valet experience, but you're still going to have to walk forever. And then the fact that they're not really doing anything to the entrance when they're, you know, pushing it out a little bit. I don't know. It just seems like they're just throwing money to throw money around. And that that's kind of Caesars, you know. Let's cut it away from the guest experience and then let's just blow it on something stupid. You know, when they bought William Hill, they're like, oh, this was really a profitable enterprise. We don't think they spent enough money marketing or growing or whatever. And it's like, maybe you should just take the profit. Maybe they're actually running a business the way it's supposed to be run. <laughs> yeah, Caesars has not been very good with profits over the years. For sure. That property is so interesting because it's old, you know, built in the 60s. Obviously, the, the issues we talk about with it being a maze and being confusing, 
come from the way it was built. It, it grew over the years. That property used to have a speedway as part of it that was actually on the land where the Mirage is. It had that big arena, that famous boxing arena in the back for many years where the fan man came in and all those sort of popular fights in like the 80s and even I think into the 90s. But one addition after the other, the forum shops, more towers, everything else, and it's just become a mess. And yeah, I guess they're trying to fix that, but I don't know that this does that. I feel like, you know, their lobby is already pretty good. There's parts of the casino that are already pretty good. I just don't know that they're going to be doing anything short of major construction to fix the problems. And um, yeah, that's it. But it's good to see, I guess, them spending money on it. I wish that they would spend money elsewhere, uh, like on the guest experience, like not cutting back drinks, like opening their Laurel Lounges. Caesars has the best in Vegas, probably. Certainly the nicest in Vegas. So spend a little bit of money on that and uh, leave Caesar alone. He doesn't need to grow. He's They already got like, what, a 10, 12-foot Caesar there. Not yeah. what they need an 18-foot one for. Because <laughs> they want a bigger member. And the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> of course. And uh, this is kind of, if you didn't watch the MTM Vegas uh, video, you don't know exactly what we're talking about. But when Sean first said, they're putting in a new Caesar, I said, how big is it going to be? You know, making a joke about the the David statue. And people made that comment. And I, the one I've, like, he said, come on, Mark, that's the that's the David statue that you, know, you get to see everything. And I said, I'm sure you get this all the time, but is this where the real David lived? <laughs> so I thought that was kind of fun. Nice uh, hangover reference. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about something that's kind of been bubbling up on Twitter, and I wanted to address it really quick with people who might be not from Vegas and they're interesting. I don't want to talk a lot about COVID because we're here to have fun and talk about Vegas and not really talk about COVID, but there has been tons of news articles this week about spikes in cases and everything else, and people kind of concerned whether there's going to be more restrictions. Just sharing my opinion kind of as a local and, and what I'm seeing in the, the chatter, I don't believe that we're going to have further restrictions in Nevada. We do have a very low vaccination rate compared to some places. And so we've had a spike in in uh, in cases, but it does seem like politically everything is gonna stay the same. Everything seems to be going forward with reopening. More shows have continued to, to announce the return. More buffets have come back. We just had this past weekend where you had, at one place you had the UFC completely sell out the T-Mobile arena and then you had Garth Brooks just down the street at Allegiant Stadium pretty much sell out a 65,000-seat arena. There were a few tickets left at the end, but it was pretty much sold out. You had Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan in town for the weekend selling out MGM Grand Garden. You had Justin Bieber in town at the New Supper Club at the Wynn. So you had tons of events, and that's the future of Las Vegas. I don't see further shutdowns, and it's just an unfortunate thing as people get vaccinated. Hopefully that will, will go away. But... It doesn't seem politically like there's any sort of will to go back to further restrictions. I mean, maybe in some weird way, we, we I could see us going back to a mask restriction. I don't even see that happening, but I certainly don't see any shutdowns or huge restrictions. Las Vegas is really kind of getting that engine back up, and it would be devastating to shut it all down again. And it seems like the governor is going to do everything he can not to. And they're doing everything they can to encourage people to get vaccinated. They have this lottery where they're giving away money and all of this other stuff. So that's kind of the update on that. If you're planning a trip, I would say I would be comfortable planning a trip to Vegas uh, that everything will be open. Now, we've talked so much about the service issues. Will, uh, will that be fixed? Will we have enough staffing and stuff? That's another question. You and I were talking yesterday about all the money Uber drivers are making. That's crazy, too. 
Yeah, I, I don't think the services will be back for, uh, you know, six to 12 months, somewhere in that time. That's just the, the gist. But we'll have to see, you know, when September rolls around, if they extend unemployment benefits and that gets people back to work or if they, you know, if it gets pushed out further, if cases continue to rise in areas, they might they might push that out further. So I, I would definitely prepare to have not a great service uh, experience when you're in Vegas, which kind of stinks because I feel like that is a big portion of Vegas is getting over the top service. You know, you're paying over the top prices for drinks and bottles and clubs and all that stuff. So if you're not getting over the top service, is it really worth it? And that's what, you know, I've said, if you really miss Vegas, you want to come back, definitely come back. You know, it's open, you can still have fun. But if you, you know, it takes you a couple of years to save up enough to come to Vegas and you you do it like every two, three years, I might hold off because I wouldn't want to blow the same amount of money you would blow for a full, you know, a regular experience versus the trimmed down bad service uh, experience that's going on right now. So that's something to consider and weigh. And it totally depends on your personal situation. I still had fun there, but it just it's not what it was. Who knows if it will ever be that way again? If the corporations keep uh, taking over the casinos, it might might never get back to that, you know, cutting 30% of the workforce and everything, which is sad to see. But hopefully as, you know, demand levels off because people are, aren't coming out of a pandemic anymore and just itching to get out there, hopefully when that levels off, the, you know, they'll start going to places like the Wynn that still has high service and the other casinos will see, hey, we need to bring some people back because we're not getting the gaming right now that we should be or people staying here, which they're just staying there now because there's so many people in Vegas that they're going to, you know, no matter what they do, they're going to book the room and sell at the restaurant and all that stuff. Yeah, if you can afford to stay at the Wynn, obviously everybody can, and there's different levels of stuff. Yeah, you get the service of places like that in the Venetian and sort of stay away from the places that have cut back, like the MGM and Caesars properties, because they're slower to bring people back. They've said on corporate earnings calls that they're not going to bring everybody else back. And you're not going to get up to that those service levels. But as far as if I book a trip today, is the hotel going to be at 50% capacity when I come? Are restaurants going to be closed? I don't expect that to happen. Obviously, anything could happen going into the fall. But certainly right now, there's not political will to do that. And I just wanted to kind of share that with people who are questioning this. This isn't me taking a side. Obviously, I have no say in what happens. And I'll leave that up to the experts. I'm not putting an opinion either way. Just saying that it doesn't seem that Steve Sislak, the governor who's in charge, is gonna, he's looking at making further restrictions right now. That's that's all I'm saying on that. Speaking of the Uber thing, we've seen all these Uber kind of crazy surges and we've seen even drivers on Twitter post like pictures of what the surge pricing is. And I was telling you last night, I was like, maybe I'll do a video, maybe I'll sign up to drive Uber in Vegas, do a video showing people what it's like as an Uber driver in Vegas, I don't know. Considering the amount of money that I would make just doing it in a couple of days, you know, for a couple of weeks, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do it. Although I know it would just drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, because uh, on uh, on Twitter, they're you know they're showing pay stubs of over two thousand dollars for like a 40, 45 hour uh, work week, which you would think that would get more drivers out there. That's a lot of money to be made for you know working your 40, 45 hours driving around. Definitely dealing with people is uh, can suck for sure. Um, especially if you're working the night crowd uh, in Vegas and you're seeing people on planes and just everybody's lost their manners and it's it's kind of crazy. So I'm sure they're dealing with more of that stuff. But 
they're nonstop working where normally back in the day, maybe you're, you pick up somebody, drop them off and you have to drive around for a little bit before you get another passenger. Now they're giving you a passenger before you're even done dropping off the next person. Like every time I've gotten an Uber in Vegas over the last six, 12 months, it says your driver is finishing a stop nearby, which is like 10 minutes away. And then they'll come to you. So you're basically nonstop as much as you want to work nonstop. And people have mostly, I think, been tipping more than they normally would because they're appreciative of the people that are out there driving since they know a lot of people aren't. But I'm surprised it hasn't brought people back. The pricing is crazy. The pay is crazy. They have all these rewards and stuff like, oh, do 10 trips today, get a $50 bonus type of stuff. So it's definitely they're trying to put the incentives out there, but people just aren't biting, which I find surprising. Yeah. So if if people out there are interested in that, let me know. Maybe I will consider doing it. It's not something I, I want to do uh, for a living, but it was something I would certainly like to try. And I definitely appreciate all the Uber drivers out there because traveling a lot, I'm always using Uber and Lyft and uh, definitely appreciate everybody who's out there doing it, uh, whether I end up there or not. Maybe some interesting behind the scenes info for people who are using Uber and Lyft or taxis in Las Vegas. My I had some relatives who were taxi drivers for many years in Las Vegas, and they would always love when people were going to strip clubs because the strip clubs would pay them a kickback on the fee, the entry fee to get in. So they would have deals with certain strip clubs and figure out which strip clubs paid them the most. And then somebody would get in a taxi cab and say, hey, you know, which strip club do you recommend? And then the taxi driver, of course, would bring them to the one that pays them the most. But that's now evolved. And I've heard from a few sources that Uber and Lyft drivers have similar things now with uh, liquor stores, uh, because it's a very popular thing now to stop at liquor stores and also dispensaries. So the dispensaries are the big one. There's a lot of kickbacks going on. So if you get into an Uber or Lyft or a taxi and you ask them, what's your favorite dispensary? What's a good dispensary? They're probably going to bring you to one that's a little bit more expensive. That's paying the driver. Good for the drivers. Maybe not so good for the customers, but uh, that's an interesting thing to find out. Maybe if I drive, I'll find out some more about how this all works. I'll, I'll see if I can make some deals and bring some information to the people kind of on the down though. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, it would be interesting because people can go to a liquor store and spend a hundred bucks or 20 bucks. So I'm curious, do they get like a percent of it? Or is it just like, hey, every time you bring somebody, you get a little bit of money. And that's the same type of, you know, there's, there was always those people out on the strip that would hand out, oh, here's a free club pass, get into the club or like a BOGO coupon and stuff. And or we'll pick you up and free in a limo and stuff. And they always get kickbacks for that type of stuff. If you come in, their card probably has like a little code on the back or whatever, and they get credit for it. And then, of course, there's the Jennifer Lopez uh, movie where she would get guys to, she would take guys to the strip club and have them run up a big bill. And then she would get kickbacks for that. So it's a, it's a long con game that's been around forever. I'm not surprised to see it with Uber and Lyft. But one thing, another tip I'll, I'll say is, Download both apps. You know, I, I pretty much only use Uber just because I'm lazy and I don't want to manage two apps. But when I was there with a buddy and we were leaving the airport, Uber was like $42 and he pulled up Lyft on his phone and it was it was like 18 or $19. So you would think the pricing would be somewhat similar, but they can be wildly different. So definitely check both things. And if it's surge on both, then a cab might actually be a little bit cheaper. So definitely consider that as well. Yeah, good advice there. And to your point, they definitely are different. I've monitored them at various different times. Most of the time, Lyft is cheaper, and that's great, but it's not a hard rule because there were times where I found Lyft to be more expensive than Uber in Vegas when I'm just checking on the app. So definitely do both. And to your point, when they're surging like crazy, when you're talking about, you know, I've seen screenshots on Twitter 
of $20 rides with $60 surges. So they end up with all the fees being $100, you know, things like that. If you're paying that much more, then probably a taxi cab is going to be significantly cheaper because they are on a fixed rate, which is more than Uber and Lyft's normal rates, but significantly less than a lot of these surges. So keep that in mind. Got to be more fluid with transportation. If you're going to be going up and down the strip, you're going to downtown, take the deuce, you know, take different things because sometimes just a trip from downtown to the strip is going to cost you 40 or $50 when it might've cost you $15 normally. So keep that all in mind because I've seen lots of people complain about it and their transportation costs have gone crazy in Vegas. You can't get a rental car, so that's really not an option unless you're paying astronomical prices either. And it's something that I think transportation in Vegas has always been easy and it's sort of been an afterthought for most people. Now you got to kind of think about it a little bit unless you just don't care about how much you're spending and then <laughs> call it, you know, just uh, rent a limo or something and uh, have a good time. Yeah, I saw, I, I forget who it was, if it was like Vital Vegas or Las Vegas Locally on Twitter shared like a week rental in, in Vegas for a car and it was it was like $12,000 or something insane that like nobody's going to book this. How does your computer even allow this to happen? But prices are all over the place. Uh, it can be expensive. And I even looked um, when we were flying in, I just pulled up like a uh, to run a black car or a limo to drop you off to the hotel and stuff. And that was like, 50 60 you could get it for maybe $75 so that is an option if you have a group of people I would actually consider doing that because one you know the person's going to be there you don't have to fight to try to get it and two the pricing is not going to be that much different uh, compared to normally an Uber would cost you 12 bucks from the airport 15 bucks but it can be 50 60 bucks so if you're going to spend that kind of money anyway you might as well go baller right yeah and I, I agree with you I think just look at all your options and figure out what's going to work, but be aware of what all the options that exist, including cars and limos and, and everything else. And I shared video on Twitter. I rented a car from National in Vegas on a one-way rental down to LA uh, last week. Uh, thankfully, I was able to use some rewards to make the price not so bad, but there's no cars anywhere. I went to National. They didn't have a single car on the National side, not a single car in the Executive Isle or the, or the Emerald Isle or anywhere. And they had one like SUV off to the side on the Alamo side which they were gonna give me. And then I asked, do you have anything nicer? And they gave me an Infiniti QX80 that had 45,000 miles on it. It was great, I mean, it was fine, but it had 45,000 miles on it, crack in the windshield. The gas wasn't even in the tank. Like they're, they're uh, as soon as those things are coming in, they're going back out and they're getting heavily, heavily used. So and we also talked about, I've seen reports that perhaps some rental car agencies are buying used cars in some markets. They're literally buying them from the lot because they can, basically rent them out for enough to cover that. So they're just buying used cars and putting them on. So you might find older cars in the mix as well through this rental car apocalypse. Uh, just another like craziness of COVID. It's so many side effects in the world uh, of COVID that you never would think about. And this is one of them, but go to Vegas, have fun. You know, it might be a little bit slower, have some patience, but there's still slot machines. There's still table games and there's still booze and strip clubs. I, I have no patience. <laughs> Yeah, strip club. There you go. There you sold the people. <laughs> boobies, boobies, boobies sell. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a different experience, but it's still fun. I mean, you're still gonna have a good time. It just is gonna take a little bit longer. You probably have to plan more. Get the reservations. Plan ahead. Maybe eat dinner a little bit earlier or later than you normally would. Those type of things. So there's still ways to make it work, but don't just expect to walk into a place and. And be able to get seated. That's probably not going to happen unless you're at Virgin. <laughs> then you then you can then you can just roll in whenever. Yeah. 
Another benefit of Virgin, Mark, is that it's right next to the airport, so you can save on Uber and Lyft charges. So not busy Uber go. and Lyft charges. Or rooms aren't like, too bad. They have an like okay the pool. The crazy people that oh. walk from the airport uh, to the Strip, which is what, like three miles in the dead heat? Like, you think I'm joking, but there's a person that wrote on a website like their experience walking from the airport to the Strip, and it can be done. All right, so let's let's close out the show with our fun segment this week, we're going to talk about the shadiest casinos that we've ever been in. In Las Vegas, I've been in some incredibly shady casinos. There's some local casinos, especially ones like on the east side of town, hole-in-the-wall places, saying karaoke at some of them way back in the day, like some really, really shady places. So I'm not going to talk about those because I think people are probably aware of some of those. Uh, but where is the shadiest casino you've ever encountered? I have a really good story from Eastern Europe that I'm excited to tell. But is Canada? Where? Where? Where's the shadiest casino? <laughs> I haven't been in a ton of shady ones, you know, I usually keep it up on the up and up. But yeah, over in Europe, you get interesting because they have a lot of just like storefront casinos, which is nothing you see around here, really. But you'll just walk in and there'll be this tiny kind of rundown room and it's just a straight, narrow, uh, you know, kind of like a, a roll house type of thing. Not very big, probably has like 15, 20 machines doesn't smell the greatest and you know it's a little worn down but you just walk like in dublin you walk by them like every couple blocks there's one and you walk in and you just play like 10 20 bucks and you're on your way it's it, it's depressing because there's no atmosphere nobody's excited to be there it's all people that are degenerates that are in there because they don't have any table games they have a couple slots and that's it but they keep it open i did see one that i thought was really interesting that they had a strip club and uh, the casino were in one building. So I didn't actually go in there, but we were at a local's bar and I was talking to a guy and he's, I said, Hey, what's up? What's the deal with that one? Like, that seems like a really good idea. Like gamble, watch girls dance or whatever. And he's like, don't go there. Don't they rip you off. They, they I've made that mistake. Uh, a lot of my money has been spent there. So I don't know if you just had bad luck or if they're kind of shady, but like a lot of the European casinos do not have table games, which I find strange, uh, You'd think that'd be but a, a good profit point center, draw people in, but maybe that's why they all come to Vegas, to get that table game action. It was mostly slots. So that's uh, as shady as it gets for me. I know you've been in some real shady uh, hell holes. <laughs> yeah, there's some great ones in, in North Las Vegas. And by shady, I don't mean, I just mean like old, run down, really cool places. A lot of times, like in Vegas, the shadiest of the casinos, you can get really cheap food and drink, kind of like the old days of Vegas. Some of them have interesting smells. Of course, El Cortez back in the day, I remember getting my sheriff's card downtown for the first time in the late 90s, and El Cortez was right across the street from that building. It's that red brick building right across the street. It's now like kind of a club. It was a Sears building originally, but that's where you got your sheriff's card. And I parked at El Cortez, and I remember walking through there, and just the mixture of stale smoke and body odor, and just like there was homeless people everywhere. It was just really, really bad back in the day. Thankfully, El Cortez is much nicer now. Your story kind of reminds me of Japanese pachinko parlors, which are kind of like, they look like arcades. So just storefront like arcades, and they just have rows of these machines that they play. And it's just very kind of hardcore. There's no atmosphere there. There's no, it's not really a casino. It doesn't feel like a casino. And we have that in Vegas too, though, with like gas stations and grocery stores where they have these little gambling pockets and like you say it's probably the more kind of hardcore gamblers i don't want to call people degenerates and of course problem gambling is a serious issue around anything to do with casinos but for me 
the kind of shadiest, I don't know if it's the shadiest, but the most interesting place I've, I've gone to a casino was in a place called Plovdiv, Bulgaria. And Jasmine and I and Sean Reese were kind of backpacking through Eastern Europe for three months. This is back in 2013. And we go to this town, which has some really cool ancient Roman ruins and lots of interesting history. And we're staying in this hotel and we see next door that there's a casino. And so we leave Sean Reese. He was you know, 13 at the time, so he's old enough to stay by himself. Leave him in the hotel. We walk across to the casino. We walk inside and everybody's dressed up actually nice. This isn't shady a place at all, but uh, we try to go inside and they stop us and they say, we need to see your passport. And so we're like, why do you need to see our passport? They didn't quite explain it. So we're like, do we really want to go in there? And being uh, the casinos lovers that we are, we decided to go back to the hotel, get our passports and go inside. But they actually took our passports and held them the entire time we were in the casino. And I remember like going past the security guard and then just like all these very well-dressed people that all look like gangsters just kind of staring at us. And I thought, oh, maybe this is like what it felt like to be in Vegas back in the 60s and 70s yeah, with all the gangsters back. kind of around <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and it was exactly like that. And we just felt like eyes were on us from everywhere. People clearly knew that we weren't Bulgarian and we weren't local. And I didn't, this wasn't a town, uh, you probably never heard of Plovdiv because it's not a town that gets a whole lot of tourists. It's not a place where you have, you know, Americans, a lot of them. So it was just kind of an interesting thing. But we go in and Jasmine, I think, played, I don't know how much it was, probably 10 bucks or something, 10, 20 dollars. Lost right away, like in five minutes. And we looked at each other. We're like, yeah, let's go. You know, and, and everybody stared at us as we walked out. But all these people were dressed in like suits and dresses. And, and they were all being very serious. Very few people gambling in there. Everybody's sort of standing around. And like I said, it kind of felt maybe like the, uh, the old mob days of Vegas. And that's why, like, if you're traveling and you see a casino, whether you want to gamble or not, you know, poke your head in there because it's different than what you probably are used to. And a lot of places, casinos are very closed off, even in these big mega resorts, like in Macau, like children can't walk through the casino, like in Vegas. Uh, so they have very closed off casinos. They have walls that block them in and things like that. So I find it fascinating to find different casino culture. I kind of wish we stuck around a little bit more. I kind of want to go back. So next time I'm in Eastern Europe, maybe I'll, I'll poke into another one and be a little bit more confident this time to, to hang around and talk to the mobsters. Yeah, I had a similar experience when we were in Brussels. We went, we we're kind of just walking around trying to find a place to eat dinner. And there's a Japanese steakhouse, like a hibachi teppanaki uh, place. And it looked good. And they even had like a sushi train where you sit at the, instead of sitting at a sushi bar, you sit at this big oval shaped table and this train just goes around like a uh, constantly. And they just put the sushi dishes on there. So you pay like 50 bucks or whatever. And as the train goes by, you pull off whatever you want, eat that. And then they come and clear your plate. You just keep grabbing from this train and they keep loading it up. So we thought that was kind of cool. But we did the hibachi, the sit down uh, thing on the grill, which was a unique experience as well. I'll tell that a little bit in a second. But there was a casino right next door. And when we went and got reservations during the day, like around lunchtime for dinner, we tried to go check it out. And they were like, oh, you need your passport. And we're like, really? And they're like, yeah. So we brought our passports with us when we went to eat. And it was the same type of thing. Like, it was actually really nice inside, but it just seemed weird the level of security they had for basically slot machines, like 30 slot machines. It, I mean, it was nicely done. They had a little bar area, which was unique because uh, other ones that we went when we were in Europe did not. So, I don't know. It, was, it did feel strange. Like, I, we felt, we didn't feel super comfortable in there. We played, you know, like 40 euro, uh, just played a couple slots and, and then left because we are like, all right, this isn't our scene. But anyway, back to the dinner. Um, so we're sitting there and we're the, they have like probably 
30 hibachi grills in this place and we're the only one it's like 6 6 30 we're the only ones getting hibachi everybody else is sitting at the sushi train um so the two of us get seated down and the cook comes over and i don't know if he was like a famous hibachi chef or or if they're just really bored but we had like eight wait staff come over and watch him cook or maybe like nobody ever gets hibachi there even though they have a ton of grills <laughs> so we're sitting there and they're just standing like all around us and it was kind of uncomfortable because i'm like why are all these people sitting here? Like, should should we be clapping more or what? Like, what's going on here? But they stayed there for the entire show. Our our server plus like every other server in the place just stood there and watched him cook our meal. And while we're like eating a little bit. And then as soon as he left, they all left. So I don't know if it was a respect thing or he was famous or they were just super bored. But or nobody uses it. I just thought it was I've never seen anything like it. All the fun of traveling and getting out of your comfort zone and seeing new things and uh yeah, like I said, getting out of your comfort zone. I did want to harken back to my Canada joke earlier. I wasn't trying to say that, that the casinos in Canada are shady. I was trying to actually allude to the opposite, that they're so polite and friendly. I've never been to one in Canada, but I just imagine that everybody is, that they're so prim and proper there. So all the Canadians listening, I'm sorry for my bad joke. I, I felt <laughs> guilty this whole last 10 minutes. It's been I have building to... inside of me. <laughs> I have to drive by, you know, as we go up to uh, the lake every week, almost every weekend, we drive by the bridge to Canada and you were up there and you said it was so interesting to see a bridge that's normally packed with cars and there's nobody driving on it because the land border's closed. And every time you drive by there, you can see, you know, when you drive down the, by the river, right across the river, right across from the hotel that you stayed at is uh, the casino. And I have never actually been to that casino and I want to go so bad, but they, you know, we need to... Uh, Border to open. It looks really small. Probably not much going on there, but I'm still curious to check it out. Yeah, and as you pointed out to me yesterday, and I didn't realize that they were still closed, but all the casinos are still closed in Canada completely. There's no restrictions or anything. They're just still shut down. So that's crazy to hear, but uh, hopefully better times ahead. Hopefully the the border traffic. But yeah, to see one of the those busy border crossings just with nothing but a few trucks every once in a while passing through is sort of stark, especially this this far into it. But I know that there's been a lot of negotiations for opening back up the borders with Canada, so we'll see how that how that goes. But that's going to do it for this week's MTM Vegas podcast. If you like this show, don't forget to subscribe. You can just find us in any podcast app. Just search MTM Vegas, or you can just go to mtmvegas.com, find the links there. You can add our RSS feed to any reader, so we're just accessible everywhere. If you like the show, don't forget to give us a review. And if anything we talked about is interesting or you have more information about it, always uh, reach out to Sean at milestomemories.com or Mark at milestomemories.com. We'd love to get more inside information that we can share with people either on the record or anonymously, however that happens. And don't forget to check out our weekly Vegas show and all of our Vegas hotel reviews and tours and guides on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash milestomemories. That's the place for most of our Vegas content. And we have a lot of fun over there. And if you want to see our faces, talking about the news in Vegas, laughing a lot. Check it out, uh, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. Well, Mark, uh, another show, episode three in the can, and looking forward to continuing to do this. We're going to have some interviews coming up with some interesting people, lots of great content on this podcast coming up. So subscribe. Thanks, Mark. Uh, talk to you next time. Talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.